You're listening to Chewing the Fat On Demand. Welcome to Saturday. This is Chewing the Fat, special Saturday edition with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. Um, I decided to uh, dig into the fat pile uh, that we left off on yesterday. <laughs> we've got, uh, we've got. As I dug through the fat pile, I realized that there was all kinds of animal stories that we had not gotten to. Okay, and I thought, well, let's let's get to them. I mean, we've got uh, uh, a whole bunch of rhinos and tigers are about to die, according to this story, thanks to China. Uh, the China regime has now. Uh, well, they're calling it issued a death warrant. Uh, they clarified that only certified hospitals and doctors would be allowed to use the animal parts. What are those animal parts? Um, rhinos and tigers. Oh, my. Uh, you'll be able to horns and tiger bones used for medical research in China have been banned. They are no longer going to be banned. 25-year ban. Now, they said, like I said, that it could only be certified hospitals and doctors to use them. What they're concerned about, though, is that how do you tell where the rhino or the tiger came from? So, good luck, God bless, to the tigers and the rhinos in China. And there's only, uh, I found it fascinating that there's only, there's not that many left. 3,900 left in the wild of tigers. That's I mean, it sounds like it's not a lot, but do we want more than 3,900 tigers roaming around the earth? Yeah, I know, all you animal lovers, I got it. Hawaii has crickets that have evolved to purr like cats. I don't even need to read the story for that. You just need to know the headline. A dead fin whale pulled ashore on Belgian beach caused probe. You think? It's dead. Leave it alone. Ghostly Dumbo octopus makes hypnotizing appearance in new deep sea footage. Never before seen, the ciliopod put its deep sea acrobatics on full display this week. What? You mean there's still things in the sea we don't know exist? That can't be. We know everything. Do we? Because we also have a story about octopuses that are supposed to not hang out in posses. They don't hang out together. Oh, wait, maybe they do. In Monterey Bay, the National Marine Sanctuary in California have found a whole posse of octopuses hanging out, taking care of their eggs. Bunches, hundreds of them. And they're like, they usually don't do that. You think? You don't know everything you know, is there? No. It's octopi? No, it's octopussies. It's octopussies. Pretty sure. I mean, I'm always a fan of pie. But on the other hand, I may be more of a fan of... Anyway. And what did I tell you when we talked about the islands disappearing in Hawaii? They talked about all the animals that were gonna are now dead. They're not dead. We have a story. Scientists find t- tiny baby octopus floating on Hawaii trash. 
exactly what I said would happen. Oh, wait, the water's coming up over us. Let's swim to some place where we can be safe. Duh. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Quebec man ordered a foot fet bill for dog. Impre- now his, his dog went over next door to the chow. And uh, uh, he uh, got the chow pregnant. Now uh, the the chow owner is a little wound up. <laughs> Don't want your nasty mutt making my my chow pregnant. Too late. But uh, they the judge said no, 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 no. You can't be letting your dog loose impregnating any old dog he wants. You have to pay pay for it all. Oh, well, isn't that special? It really doesn't sound that bad. He gets uh, $711.50 plus interest. I don't know what the interest um, would be compounded on. And another $101 in court costs. Just for his dog over there impregnating the neighbor's dog. Kind of sad. Now, this story uh, is fascinating to me. This is an entire story on meat animals that go wild for your urine in a surreal site. And I have not seen the video of this and there's got to be video somewhere and we will find it. And maybe we'll play it on Pat unleashed uh, this week. Uh, a helicopter crossed the sky, dangling strands of drugged blindfolded mountain goats, as many as five at a time. In the end, more than 100 goats were airlifted from the park and shipped to new homes across the state. All because they loved human urine too much. There's got to be video of that. We have to see the video of that. Mountain goats are not alone in their quest for what this story is calling liquid gold. A surprising number of creatures, from reindeer to locusts, have a known affinity for human urine. And for some species, this craving for our minerals has dramatically shaped their behavior. All animals need sodium and chlorine, the chemical components uh, of table of salt, which are essential elements that regulate fluids and enable the transfer of energy to survive. Carnivores, omnivores, uh, like humans, can often meet this need by eating other animals. And when we have too much, our bodies secrete these elements as waste products. When moths and butterflies gather to drink dirt through their straw-like Probiosciesis, whatever you want to call them on top of the moss and butterflies. Uh, It's known as mud puddling. Some of the most attractive mud puddles are those created by animals relieving themselves. Amazing. In southern Siberia, this is is absolutely uh, the circle of life. I love this. In southern Siberia, they've long used urine to build what they're calling relationships with reindeer. They rely on the reindeer to live. I mean, that's they kill the reindeer to eat for the winter, right? I mean, you're living in southern Siberia. It's not like you're going to the beach in the winter. So the, the men would urinate near the house, often in a hollow stump or even in a a special urinal constructed for reindeer, like a tree trunk with a trough carved in it. And then 
uh, in the winter it would freeze and the deer would come up and you know lick lick the ice, lick the urine if they if it was frozen and obviously when it's not frozen they come up and drink it. Uh, hello, that's genius. Reindeers come up, lick a little urine ice. That one's looking big. We're going to kill that one for the winter. That's a circle of life right there. In uh, Olympic National Park, where the urine-loving goats were and are, they compete with native species uh, in addition to threatening the visitors. Um, they've The officials have opted for complete eviction or elimination. So if you're one of the goats that didn't get flown out, oh, bye-bye. Have a nice day. They're going to re- relocate as many as uh, 600 or more so goats, but the rest of them they're going to remove by lethal means because they were busy chasing the people were out hiking the hiking the park and the goats are following them. The people are thinking that the goats are chasing them. They're just waiting for them to pee. So good. In 2008, a study on yellow-spined bamboo locusts. And man, who doesn't want to do a study on yellow-spined bamboo locusts? That's a major pest. And known urine fan. The insects strongly preferred human urine. They don't want any of that nasty goat urine. I want the humans, okay? And they like the human urine incubated for three to six days. They don't want it fresh. Amazing. Dr. Bodry, who has gone out for studies and taken care of these studies, uh, takes students out on these studies, on the, and he encourages them to go to the bathroom in the forest, both one and two. And he would see... Who harvested the nutrients? What animals came? What butterflies wanted it? What mammals over the others? And that's a fun study. That sounds like a fun study. We're going to just go to the bathroom, and, and you're not really going to the bathroom. You're uh, relieving yourself in the woods, and then you get to sit around and wait till the animals come and see which ones want it. Wow. In Georgia's Piedmont region, uh, the doctor used cow urine from a nearby farm. He obtained uh, cougar urine from P-Mart, America's first discount urine store online. Come on now. Tell me America isn't great. I don't even know if the store is actually in America, but you can get it online. America's first discount urine store, P-Mart. So he does a study, he gets all this urine, throws it out there, and uh, 97 out of 117 butterflies chose to quench their thirst with cougar urine. Wow. They don't want any human urine, they don't want any cow urine, we want cougar urine. That's tremendous. One of the things that they talk about in this story, though, that I did not know is urine therapy. Were you ever aware of urine therapy? Uh, Medicinal use of urine? Uh, No, thank you. I think I'd rather be sick. I think I would rather be sick. They talk about um, uh, 
this doctor, uh, this neuropath, John Armstrong, who popularized uh, urine therapy in the 20th century, cited the Bible, which advises readers to drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. I don't think that's what the Bible meant. I'm pretty sure. Now, look, I'm, I, I'm not a Bible scholar. I have read most of the Bible. I don't know that I can say that I've read all of it page for page, but I mean, I was indoctrinated. I mean, studied the Bible as a child, and I don't remember any preacher telling me, drink your own pee. God wanted you to drink your own pee. No, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure he did. I don't want to speak for God, but I'm going to. That's not what he meant. They are a little concerned, though, about the goats in the mountains because what they're supposed to do is go around and 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 lick natural stuff, natural lick sites, you know, where animal, other animals and, and beings are out in the wild surviving. And now, with all the people showing up and giving them uh, free lick sites, they're losing their their whole inner sense of being, which is why we have to get rid of them now. Right? I mean, now we're, we're, we're shipping them out. We've got, I want to see the footage of them being helicoptered out. And then if you're not helicoptered out, if you're left on the ground thinking, yeah, more for me. Nope. We're killing you off. You should have been on the helicopter. So I had an opportunity a little bit ago to uh, talk to uh, Cara Santa Maria about the new National Geographic's Almanac 2019. All these stories about animals and out in the wild got me thinking about uh, the National Geographic's Almanac because it goes, obviously, around the world. And it's fa- the book is tremendous. Uh, I took it home, and uh, my kids are – I see them sitting there. When I tell them, a hey, computer is off, it's the, they grab the Almanac, and I'm in love with it. Um, that has happened since I've talked to Kara. But I wanted to share uh, my interview with uh, Cara Santa Maria uh, about the new National Geographic's Almanac. And she also does uh, a science podcast, which we discussed a little bit uh, on this interview. And uh, we may have to have her back and talk a little bit more about her science podcast, especially since now I'm learning about animals and urine therapy. <laughs> I, c- <laughs> oh, I, was, I didn't realize you were there. <laughs> That's Hi. all right. How you doing? Nothing I'm new to me. No, you, wait, you've heard that before? Come on. No, never. Okay. I knew I had to be the first one with that. Hello. It's Hello. It, do you want Kara or Kara? What do you want from Kara. me? Kara. Kara Santa Maria. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. How Thank are you today? You. you all right? I'm great. Happy to be here. Um, so where where are you at right now? Are you in the city? I'm actually in Los Angeles. Oh, not that city. Oh. <laughs> yeah, different city. Oh. <laughs> so uh, do you do you live in New York? I noticed uh, it sounded like you were in uh, in New York at one of the uh, podcasts that we were listening to the other day. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. No, I actually live in L.A., but um, I was just on a book tour for a different book and was in the U.K. and spent quite a bit of time in New York right beforehand. So you live on the West Coast. Ooh. I do. Sorry. I do. It's earlier here, too. I started Sorry this, to hear this that. Uh, radio tour this morning at 5 a.m. <laughs> oh, you're good to go then. No problem. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so you know, let's go. We're still recording, so it's all good. I appreciate you coming on. What... Uh, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the new uh, National Geographic uh, Almanac, the 2019 edition, and uh, it looks like uh, another beautiful National Geographic Almanac that uh, we've all come to uh, know and appreciate. And I love the fact that we have, uh, you know, really, National Geographic has kind of changed the lexicon of what people do. I, I was thinking that yesterday I was sitting on the back porch with my wife and uh, we were watching the, uh, it's been raining here in Texas for about a year and it finally stopped and the little flowers are up and the bees are flying all over with all the flowers around and I'm watching the bees and we're taking some pictures and we popped a couple of videos just for the stupid Instagram post. And uh, at the time that we're out <laughs> doing that, uh, my wife, we're Nat Ge- Geoing. And so, I mean, the world is oh, yeah. now used to, uh, you know, just Nat Geoing. You've changed the lexicon. And uh, absolutely. so it really is kind of the standard bearer, isn't it? Absolutely. And so this latest book, I noticed I didn't realize that National Geographic was so ageist. But uh, it says here in my notes <laughs> that you guys, this is from reader, readers uh, ages 12 to 112. What about those of us that are older than 112? I know. I think they were trying to pick a cutoff that would make sure it it, it contained everyone within. But, you know, the reason that we list 12 to 112 is because historically National Geographic put out a kid's almanac every single year. And this is the very first year for the adult almanac. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. So um, you, uh, if we uh, once we get through with the uh, National Geographic talk, because I want to talk to you about that. Can we talk about your uh, your other projects as well? Absolutely, I'd love I know, to. I know you're. I know you're doing the National Geographic tour. It's all good. I got it. So, what are the most? <laughs> what What did you help with? Did you actually do all the work and put this all together? And this is your magazine. It should be your name on it, uh, Cara Santa oh, Maria, gosh, instead of no. National Geographic. This is all you. Can you imagine writing this entire book by yourself? No, a team of people <laughs> no, I could on not. this to ensure, yeah, to ensure that all of the information is up to date, is is fact checked. It was, you know, really modern, and of course, yeah, great. you know, that graphic eye as well, because it's just beautifully laid out. So my job in this is, I wrote the foreword to the book, and I did these incredible um, quizmaster pages. So at the beginning of each major section in the book, I kind of take you on a guide, and I, I ask you a lot of trivia questions and give you some hints as to where you can find the answers throughout the book to kind of gamify it and make it a little bit more interactive did you do the, did you have to do with the key facts as well oh yeah the, the yeah. continental so facts because kind of i was looking i happened to be i was as i was plowing through it and i was looking at uh, africa i was uh i was wondering because i noticed on uh from our podcast we have some people who have downloaded us from uh Djibouti. and uh, oh. i thought uh i never i didn't actually know where that was a month and a half ago, and uh, now I see, and I and I do now, obviously, because I saw that on our podcast list, and it has the lowest uh, elevation of a lake of minus five hundred and nine feet. So, it, all the people that are downloading this podcast in Djibouti, hello, how you doing? Thank you for coming along for the yes, ride. Hello, <laughs> it, I isn't that such it. a funny thing about? 
kind of the the American perspective. I think Africa is definitely a continent less traveled and understanding, you know, where all of the different countries are and what their kind of demographic, what their, know. you know, uh, their, their, their geography is like. It's definitely probably a place where most of us here in America are the weakest. And so it's great to be able to learn a little bit more about Africa because it does capture the imagination with its flora and fauna and incredible people. So um, if I... When I want to get this uh, National Geographic uh, 2019 Almanac, um, I would say that it's probably available at any bookstore, but I don't know that there's actually a bookstore anymore left uh, in America <laughs> or around the world. They do exist. <laughs> they do? They do exist. Wait, where? Course, yes. Where? You can absolutely visit your local bookstore and they'll have it on hand. But also the big online booksellers, the Amazons, the Barnes & Nobles, you'll be able to find it there, as well as nationalgeographic.com. It's, um, it's everywhere books are sold. I, I actually, I love these things. I, I, I go through them and it's fascinating because no matter what, you always learn something you didn't know. No, no matter what it is. Like, a, I, I just, just the stupid thing about Djibouti and the lowest elevation of 509 feet of Lake Asal. I didn't know that. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you could literally flip to any page and learn something new in this book. That's what, one of the things I love about it. What's your favorite part? I noticed that we're going through, uh, we have, uh, we have a, a plethora of uh, extremes and classic travel and earth and sea and the solar system. What's your favorite part of this book? Oh, gosh, it's so hard to pick a favorite, but I don't know. I'd have to say the science of us. You know, my background is neuroscience and psychology. I worked as a scientist for several years before becoming a science communicator, and I'm actually back in school now working on my Ph.D. And so, of course, understanding human origins, understanding modern humankind, how we relate to each other, and how there's just so much more that unites us than divides us. I think that I have to say that's my favorite section. Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking down to us. Uh, It means a lot Uh, because I know that that's actually some of your other projects with your uh, Talk Nerdy podcast, um, which which was fascinating. So I I happened to to pop up uh, a Talk Nerdy one, which I think was the latest edition, talking about sand. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, yes, my very last episode, I interview Vince Beiser, who is an investigative journalist, and he wrote a new book all about sand. Sand, and I know what you're thinking. How could you talk for an hour about sand? No, no, I was thinking about. I was actually putting together questions for him. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's just fascinating. Our entire civilization is literally built upon sand because, of course, sand makes up all of the glass, all of the silicon chips in our computers, and all of the concrete that we use to build right. everything around us. And uh, you know, I lived in uh, I lived in Florida for you know a lot of years. And uh, it's literally his one of his points, I think, uh, was that uh, we may be losing uh, more sand than we should be, Uh, at least the Mm -hmm. the the usage of it. Yep, we're mining it at unprecedented levels and it's actually causing a lot of um, erosion and it's it's causing there to be a black market for sand. And there's actually some some violence and some real kind of crazy stuff happening around the, the black market sand trade. So do they do they sneak it in? I mean, do they carry it in briefcases into the country or? Truck I, it in, so. I assume they need more than what you can fit in a briefcase, but I'm I mean, sure that there's a lot of creativity involved. <laughs> I mean, now I don't feel so bad. I remember uh, traveling to uh, uh, Israel and bringing home a couple of uh, a little small containers of uh, mud 
from the from the oh, bl- yeah. and from the, you know from, from the lake. And uh, I thought, no, nah, I just won't tell anybody. I'll just bring it home. <laughs> And now the whole and world now knows. I know. Oh, yeah, wait. Uh, never mind. That didn't happen. It was just alleged. I was just thinking about it. Um, I love the black market uh, world on the sand. If uh, So I know that you, you did the interview with him, but what is he? did he elaborate any on how that is happening? Because now I'm fascinated. Now well, you're just going to tell me, go listen yeah, to the stupid yeah. podcast and shut up. I got it. No, no, it is. It's we talk about it a lot in the show, and also, he, I mean, he wrote an entire book about it, which is why I had him on the show. So right. it, it, we never ran out of things to talk about, and that's, I mean, that's what I love about talking nerdy. Each week, I interview a different scientist or science writer, and gosh, we never run out of topics. There's always something else to learn. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed that uh, um, you know you uh, is uh, I noticed that you had uh, worked with Bill Nye. Uh, Absolutely. I was a correspondent on Bill Nye Saves the World on um, on Netflix. So much fun. No, I loved it. I love Bill. <laughs> ah, okay. I actually don't mind him on his, uh, when the uh, YouTube has them uh, videotape answering uh, Twitter questions. Um, oh, those are hilarious. Enjoy- yeah, those are really good. Uh, it's worth watching that. <laughs> uh, so, um the National Geographic Almanac 2019. Uh, you you haven't you love the science, but uh, you know my my favorite is just actually the the photographs uh, throughout all the oh, throughout gosh. the years has been you know tremendous and uh, and and I'm biased since my wife is a photographer and I just I, the pictures just jump out at me all all the time. This is like I, I love them. And so uh, what what do you get what do you get for a book like this? Two three bucks. <laughs> Who, me personally or yeah, you? No, <laughs> National Geographic. No, not me. I'm not getting any money for this thing. No, I'm just teasing you about yeah, the so price for this. Two, three bucks, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it is It is actually a, a ridiculously a good deal. I think I think that the, the list price of this is $19.99. And oh, that's not bad, actually. You basically... Yeah, you have the world in your hand. Yeah, no kidding. I, I would have actually... I would have actually... I'm holding, I'm holding my hand now, and I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be worth at least 30, 40 bucks. So twenty dollars is not bad yeah, at no, all. Yeah, no, it's a great price. So now you can buy two. Oh, <laughs> uh, quit pushing me! Quit pushing me. <laughs> Here at Santa Maria with uh, with uh, National Geographic. What's uh, what's on uh, what's on the forecast for you next? What are you doing next for National Geographic? So. Uh, for National Geographic, uh, you can actually tune in to Jeopardy on November 1st, where I'm going to be reading some clues, um, oh, nice. and that, that has a great tie-in here to the book. And also, I am a correspondent on National Geographic Channel's flagship show, Explorer, which starts on November 12th. Very good. Kara, thank you very much, and we will look forward to you uh, reading uh, What is the National Geographic? And, and doing the questions on Jeopardy, I love it. Actually, you'll be reading the answers right yeah jeopardy so much yeah. fun yeah yeah you'll figure the answer <laughs> they'd have to guess the answer <laughs> kara thank you very much i really appreciate your time be safe thanks so much 